Today on Humanity Cells, we're sharing a super insightful conversation from our State of ServiceNow Virtual Summit. Listen as Nate interviews Matt Stoika, super successful tech entrepreneur, husband, dad, and also the CEO of one of the fastest growing ServiceNow Elite partner businesses on the planet. If you're in technology consulting of any kind, this is an episode you won't want to miss. Buckle up. Welcome to the Humanity Sales Podcast, where we talk about the marketing revolution that's happening in tech consulting and how the best businesses are elevating their brand, amplifying their message, and selling more by being more human. We're your hosts, Brandon Triola. And I'm Nate Nettie. Let's get into it. You guys are in for a real treat on this one. I know I say that with every session because I feel like every one of these is special, but you really are. Uh, today, uh, we have Matt Stoika, CEO of New Rocket, large service now partner. Um, going to talk to us a little bit about the age of verticalization and how to d- deliver industry-specific solutions that users need. So if you are unfamiliar with Matt, let me give you just a little, just a high-level primer. Matt, please correct me if I swing and miss on some of this stuff. From a very high level, Matt has been an entrepreneur, business builder, business coach, team leader, enterprise leader for more than 25 years. I don't know how old you were when you started your first business, but my hunch would be like early 20s, some somewhere around there. Yeah, a little bit later than that, but yeah, both. He's been doing this a long time. He's got an expertise in service-based businesses inside of the technology space. And when you think about all of the moving parts that go into a tech service-based business, um, you're, you're, you have the, the privilege of hearing from a guy who has really refined his approach to making that successful, making that space successful. So, Matt, thank you so much uh, for joining. And I will mention too, uh, devoted husband, loving father of two girls. Uh, I should have led with that because those are the, that's the coolest thing about you, in my opinion. Um, lives in Southern California. Uh, great family from Canada, just across the bridge from Detroit. And you're covering what, it. What did I miss? Anything? <laughs> you forgot the dog. You forgot Theo. Oh, Theo. Yeah, that's. <laughs> you got this great dog. Guard dog, fierce guard dog that will yell at you as soon as you enter the territory of the home. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to jump right in. Anything to add about your background? Anything you want people to know about you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you. And, uh, you know, love the report. You know, I'm a huge fan. Um, that's how we've gotten to know each other. And I uh, just think the information is incredibly helpful, especially for the partner ecosystem. But you guys do a great job. So thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Yeah, I remember we we did one the first one a year ago and when we met each other, you told me about how valuable you felt it was and you actually gave gave us some coaching on how to how to even make it better this year. And uh so if you're if you're on this video, Matt had actually given some feedback about the product uh which is super valuable if you're making anything in this space, get some feedback cuz it can help. So uh, with that, I'm going to jump in. We're going to do some rapid fire questions about how to deliver industry specific solutions that users actually need. The first one is just kind of thinking about service now, making a push. And when you hear Bill talk about the space and the momentum that's in the space, you know, his whole thing is about 
uh, at just value creation. You know, when it comes down to it, it's just about impacting users with as much stinking value as a tech platform can create. And in light of that, there's this big push for verticalization. So I don't know, what what's your take on why verticalization from ServiceNow and what do you think it unlocks for users of the platform? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting topic and it's a very prescient topic right now. I mean, you're seeing all of the tech services and technology companies focus on industry and, and verticals. And I think the reason why is that, you know, our customers and our clients are really, you know, quite demanding in what they need to help them transform their business. And so from what we're seeing is our clients are always looking for that guidance and that advisory. Like, how do we help tell them, share with them and guide them through the journey? And I think that to be able to advise and guide them, you have to understand at a, at a decent level what industry they're in, what's special and unique about their industry, what's special and unique about their business. So the more that you can you can understand that, the more you spend time to, to understand that vertical or understand that specific industry, I think the more that you can provide that guidance that the client is looking for. So I think it's really driven by the client need, which is what you want it to be driven by. And I think for us, you know, we're responding by having expertise in specific industry that allows us to, um, again, guide that client and ultimately make them the hero of the journey. Oh, I like that last part, the hero of the journey. That's a good one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, guiding the client as best as possible, making them the hero of the journey connects right to industry-specific solutions. Um, I love that. Uh, in the report, kind of along this line of the specificity around industry, in the report, you know, users were asked what opportunities they see for ServiceNow to to drive growth in their businesses, even in an uncertain economic climate. And the way that they responded, by and large, uh, was around ServiceNow can provide sustainable industry-specific solutions. And they saw that as a way to mitigate um, the economic situation. So why do you think that they responded this way? And for the partners watching, you know, what should they take away from how buyers are feeling about that right now? I think we're all uneasy, right? It's been an interesting year to date, I think, for for everyone. And while there's certainly growth and, and growth is there to be had, I think that you again have to you have to really focus on that value and, and the value that you're creating. And I think that for our clients, even with uncertain times, they're getting more pressure from their stakeholders to improve their business in some way, shape or form, or transform their business in some way, shape or form. And that means, you know, in some cases, it could be all cost driven, like we need to reduce costs, we need to become more efficient. In other ways, it may mean how we go to market, we need to attract more clients, we need to retain more clients. And so I think that with un un uncertainty comes an opportunity to look and be creative at what those solutions might be for the clients. I think that, again, they're looking, you know, most of our clients are looking at how can they deliver a great experience to their employees? How can they deliver an amazing experience to their customers? Um, how can they operate efficiently? Um, how can they connect disparate information so they have a full understanding of, of what um, their business is experiencing and then they can make great decisions? And I just think that, um, again, you know, 
when you can do that, and then taking back to your first question around verticalization, when you can tie those two things together, you have a pretty powerful or compelling solution that you can provide, which then creates the value that you know you referred to. Well, there's a common thread in the way that you're answering those things, and it's around basically, if I could summarize it, like understanding and listening to users and responding accordingly. And, you know, I've been following you for a while now, uh, ever since we did the first report and met. And one of the things that you really harp on, and I really appreciate about you is that you have this whole take on empathy. In fact, sometimes you refer to yourself as the chief empathy officer. And when you look at the concept of listening to users as the foundation for the answers to your question, verticalization, and navigating an uncertain climate. Um, could you elaborate on any connection that you see between verticalization and empathy for users from partners? Because I, I know they seem like disparate ideas, but my hunch is that they're connected in some way or that you see them as connected. Yeah, no, it's a it's a interesting interesting thought, and you know, I, I think that it, it's funny because I I um, I would rarely refer to myself as the chief executive officer, right? But yeah. I kind of like the chief empathy officer just because it's so so much more um, human related, right? It, it's more about the relationships that we create and that we have and that we you know foster and encourage. And when you think about like then translating that to the type of business that that I'm in, it's ultimately we're a service provider, right? We're providing a service to those that need it based on our expertise and understanding. And one of the things that's really been eye-opening as I've kind of gone through my career is just under learning about your client, right? Learning about the person, learning about the team, learning about their industry and understanding that, that creates a deep level of, of empathy. And really what empathy, you know, ultimately is, is being able to put yourself in the other person's place and experience what they're experiencing so that you can respond accordingly. And, you know, we use this analogy. It's like if, if, you know, you're with someone who doesn't have very good eyesight and for a day you had to wear their glasses or you didn't have their glasses and you had to look at the world through their eyes, how would you experience it? What kind of emotional, you know, feelings would you have around it? And so I think that the simple connection between empathy or an empathetic approach and verticalization is really about understanding the world and and the existence that your client has and if you can specifically understand it um you know whether it's banking or or insurance or it's technology or media when you can really understand that because you've you've spent the time you've studied you've you've we've you know done countless projects in these areas i think you really have an opportunity then to connect with the client at a deeper level creating a more meaningful relationship and remember, relationships are all based on one thing, trust. And if you have that trust, then you're more likely to have an interactive conversation um, throughout the process, whether it's, you know, before you've actually won the, the opportunity or after. And I think that's, you know, that trust is what, you know, creates a, an opportunity to then continue to do business together and help them. So I think that's just really about empathy, understanding vertical, right? All kind of uh, blending together. I, I'm going to throw just a small curveball at you, just building off of what you're saying. So I think if you were to survey every partner in the space right now 
and you said, hey, do you think it's important or a priority to listen to users? They would probably say, of course. But just quickly, what do you feel like the gap might be for a lot of partners out there where it might be um, articulated value, but not an expressed value? You know, like why is it so easy to say we listen to users, but then we don't actually? Well, I mean, listening isn't enough is really what it comes mm. down to. Right? Listening is is one way to understand, but there are others, right? Sitting in the chair and actually doing the work, you start getting a sense of how someone works, right? Um, having an expertise in a vertical that allows you to take these learned stories from, you know, uh, multiple experiences and then applying them, right? You're building a muscle, right? You're building a muscle of, of understanding. So I think listening is only one part of that. And I think that's why it's sometimes listening to the end users only that only gets you so far. And, and in some cases falls short, I think you really have to operate with user empathy, which is okay. If I was the user using this, you know, uh, technology solution, how would I want it to work, and where would I want it to, you know, impact my life, and and in in and how can it make it better? How can it make my job easier? How can it make me more effective? How can it allow me to be more creative in my problem solving? And you know, and so I think it really comes down to it's got to be deeper than just listening. Yeah, which in some cases can be different than what are our internal business requirements. Because there's like a smash up of the business needs to do X and I might not be able to do that if I invest heavily in understanding. So there's always this tension between in, like what we want to do, what what users need us to do. You know, there's mm -hmm. always that battle. So, But, the, but uh, the problem is that, you know, we're all accustomed to this technology and, you know, which is a very, you know, uh, personal experience but it's also designed around everything is des designed around the user right and how many times have you downloaded an app and within a minute or two you're like yeah, i'm not going to use this app right just because <laughs> that's, that's just me that's me right yeah. it just didn't connect yeah. with you but then when you when you download an app and it just flows you're like yeah that's they great. spent a lot of time putting themselves in the seat of the person that's going to use this app you know 10 minutes an hour three hours a day so yeah. we want to do the same with corporate technology. That's right in line with what this what users signaled in the survey as well, because one of the sentiments that came from a series of questions, it was sort of a subjective thing that came out of a series of questions, was that users in the B2B tech space want that world to look and feel like it does for them in every other part of their life, right? So when you go buy a phone, no one loves buying a phone anyway, like you just held up your phone. But by and large, it's relatively easy. If you remember your Verizon password, you can go to the Apple store, buy a phone, they'll turn it on for you, and you can walk out of there in 30 minutes with a new phone. If yeah. you're in a corporate environment, you know I know the world is changing and people that are watching this are working to solve these problems, but you order a phone, it might come two weeks later. It might be the wrong model. It might not be turned on. There's not a lot of instructions. Like this is just a very micro example. So I just wanted to highlight what you're saying. B2B tech you has to build with starting with user empathy because the expectations from users are so high based on the way they're living their life every day. So yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, maybe we should just invent the term uh, B2U. 
business to user, right? And uh, instead of A to Z, it's close enough. So it it runs the gamut. But uh, I do think that there's an element of, uh, of everyone's a consumer, right, at this point. And so this whole concept of, of business, you know, you've seen so many different supply chains disrupted, because manufacturers realize that they can connect directly to their end buyer, and they don't have to go through a distribution network, right? So to me, I think we need to think about, you know, uh, traditional corporate technology. And I think ServiceNow has done a phenomenal job. I think they've done, you know, as well as anyone in creating a great user experience. And I think that's an area of focus for us, of course. Yeah. I mean, we see it not just in this industry. COVID really did like flipped everything on its head. I know in the like office furniture space, for example, runs on a dealer network internationally. And all of a sudden during COVID, like people were buying things, working from home. I'm going to go to Amazon because that's the only place I can get an office chair. And it, you don't, there's, it was all upended. And all of a sudden they had to figure out what do users want in real time as sales numbers are going like this and competitors numbers who have figured out D2C are going like this. And it's all, it's just, they're matching the business experience and the B2B experience with the experience users are having in their everyday lives. Um, that was a great point. We went on a tangent there, but I thought it's, it's really good thinking. Um, I'm going to ask you a question just about, you know, something really specific because I, I always want people that view these sessions to have some takeaways and some meat. So for you, when it, when you think about making the switch to structure around industry solutions and supporting the way that ServiceNow is going and agreeing with the vision and getting getting in line with it with your own company, um, could you speak a little bit to your process for evaluating a move like that internally? Like, how do you think through such a large business model shift? Well, you, you actually touched on it. It's it's about process, right? Having a well-defined process. And and um, maybe it comes from my manufacturing days, but I see a lot of things as assembly lines, right? And there's inputs and then outputs. So in this case, our our output is, okay, we want to be an expert in an industry or, you know, or vertical. So then the question becomes, well, what are the inputs and lead us, you know, and how do we assemble those inputs so that we can get to that output? And so for us, it's about, you know, really creating that, that refined process. And the first thing is you have to listen to the voices that are out there that are the ones that are telling you, this is what I need. This is what, you know, we see. This is what our, our, our challenges, our opportunities are. That means your customers. It means your prospects. It means, you know, your sales organization. It means your delivery organization. And it also means your partners. And so if you're listening to the kind of those five voices, that's going to start informing you, right? And then I think you have to have a process for how you take that information, distill it down, and then, you know, build it up into a model that works. And so for us, that means like a cross-functional launch team, right? That's represented from the team that's developing it to traditionally be considered a product engineering team, but in a services company, it's more of a solution engineering team. So you have your solution engineers that are creating the solution. You have your sales and marketing team who need to be able to say, this is how we're going to tell the story. This is how we're going to bring it to market this that we're going to actualize it you have your delivery organization that needs to be you know prepared and ready to then go and execute and deliver it you may need to have industry SMEs of course that you're going to have to either go out or or you know and attract or, or add to the team um, but you basically have to put this team together then you have to put a financial model around it and make sure that you have the right metrics that support it to make it a good decision and I, I so I think that seeing this done well at scale it's really about a, a complete refined process that you don't deviate from 
And I think that when I've seen this work well and been part of it when it works really well, it's because that discipline is there. And when it's more of a, oh, let's react to this or let's react to that, that's when you can get yourself in trouble. Now, doesn't mean that in a way this process allows you to actually react faster because you have a discipline that you can say oh we want to introduce something new we want to move quickly we wanted to tie into what you know uh maybe what service now is doing so we want to make sure that we're ready to go well you can have kind of a fast pass you know through the through the process while still not deviating from the process so the 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 encouragement of course is to is to spend the time outline that get all the right people and then make sure you're being great at listening right listening to what's going on out in the market and then applying it to your business so for everyone watching that was just a master class and how to evaluate a business business model shift. Uh, I would recommend, this will be available later. I would recommend putting that on when you go to sleep on repeat. And then while you're sleeping, that will just go <laughs> into your headphones and you will learn it through osmosis. That was awesome. I, I Thank you for it. really trying to say is that I, I'll bore you to death and you have a great night's sleep. So that's, that's totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. There are you are not one of these people, but there are certainly people on some of my meetings where I'm like, man, this would this would be great in my calm app at night. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> no, names. Sure. no names. No sure. names. I'm just saying they exist. Um so I'll just tying back to what you just said. I I it's great. It's an it's a great framework. And there's like the idea and the process, and then there's like executing, right? And that's where you bring in like people. And you bring in change management, that word, organizational change, OCM. It's it's the white whale of, there are guys out there on a yacht somewhere in the Pacific that sold OCM to the nth degree and then just went, just took the money and ran because we're all still trying to figure it out. And I just want to know, you know, from a human level, you know, there is a great process. You, you do the research and you dialogue and you listen but then how do you empathetically, impactfully get the organization moving in the right direction or, and get aligned around a big shift like this? Could you just talk about how you like to think about the change management of things like this? Yeah, it, it, it's um, it's interesting because, you know, again, with for us, empathy is a core value. And so you you know, you always want to be listening and, and as we talked about earlier, but you also want to be feeling it and experiencing it. And and so what can happen is you, you get a lot of ideas, right? And then it's the question is, well, how do you prioritize them? How do you manage them? How do you say no to people? How do you say yeah. yes? Why do you say yes? Why do you say no? What's the criteria, right? So it's it, that structure kind of gives you and that process gives you something to fall back to, right? Well, this is our process and it didn't meet these criteria. Like it just gives you something to, and I, and so I think though, you know, for leaders, it starts with like innovation, right? And for us, innovation is, is, you know, attached to one of our core values as well. And it really is about making sure that you're again, keeping your mind open to the possibility as, of what's to come. And I think innovation, I think, especially as like senior leaders in, the, in a business, I think that it's really important not to squelch innovation. And it, it can be done so, you know, unintentionally, but it can still be done. And I think that you want to make sure that, especially in our kind of business where it needs to constantly improve because it's changing every day, you know, the 
the solutions are changing every day. And so I think you just have to get to a point where you're, you accept and embrace innovation and you have a process to ingest it. But from a, like a human standpoint, which is what you're asking for, it's really about, you know, encouraging it and embracing it. And then the empathy really shows up when it's not just when you accept an idea, but it's when you have to reject an idea. It's about making sure you go that extra, you know, step and, and explaining, you know, at, at a, at a deep level, the decision making. I think that I found that. Um, pretty much people are, are really reasonable, especially in a, in a corporate environment, when you take the time to explain thinking behind the decisions that you make. And I think that when it comes to innovation, we would all love to be able to innovate on everything we do all the time. The reality is we can't. And uh, I think that's where, you know, leaders can get a little bit hesitant. And I think that's a mistake. I think that they should embrace it and they should just have a really great open transparent and empathetic driven process that allows them to, um, you know, guide their company. Once again, play this while you go to sleep. (laughs) You'll sleep great. So you'll sleep great. And your subconscious will take this all in. Uh, I, I wish that this was a two hour podcast because there's a million things I want to jump off there, but I think you gave us a really nice overview of, just looking at verticalization, how to deliver industry-specific lo- solutions users need, a process for looking at how to do that internally, how you think about rolling that out. Um, that was awesome. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, Appreciate happy it. to. And you know, one one last thought on this topic. You don't have to try to do everything either, right? When it comes to verticals, find one, look at your customer base, look at all the experiences that you've had. Sometimes I've heard, it's just an interesting situation. I've heard where companies have hesitated getting in the vertical because they don't think they have enough experience. And then on the flip side, they try to do too many. You know, Mm -hmm. my recommendation is kind of a closing thought would be most companies have a vertical experience or vertical expertise Go look at the information. Go look at your customer base. Look at the projects you've done. You probably have it. Pick one, right? And then try it out. And then, you know, really, really get good at it. And then you can start adding the second and the third and, and beyond. But, you know, don't be intimidated by it and don't try to do it all at once. Pick one. That gave me a uh, physical response because it's like really hard. We're all, especially the leaders and the entrepreneurs, the business growers out there, you go, but there's so much opportunity. pick one we could do we could look at this money (laughs) you know that's good that's good advice that's good advice um so where can the people find you if they want to hear more about empathetic leadership or business growth let them know where where they can look you up yeah i mean linkedin is the best place um to to that's where i'll you know discuss a lot of these topics and so happy to you know happy to to share and continue to share and there's so much to learn so it's always a great experience but linkedin is the best way to find me great matt thank you for joining the state of service now summit generous with your time and information um we're glad to have you and we'll talk to you soon thanks nate appreciate it 